And so it's, it's the commercials now are everywhere, and you can't watch any television without seeing that opportunity to figure out that you're probably just a mutt like everybody else. You know, uh, it's just, it's all blended together, and you've got every possible genetic counterpart in your family tree. And, you know, those things are great, but it's the family tree that's, that exists around you now that sometimes can be the problem. It's the ones that you saw at Thanksgiving, right? It's the ones that you get to see on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or whenever those things are, and you get to experience all the fun and gloriousness that goes along with your family tree. And so that's really the reason why we're doing this series, is because with as crazy as your family tree is, Jesus's is probably much more so. And we talked about David last week, and there's probably no more chaotic character in anybody's family tree than David. Now, when we talk about David, you know, we tell the stories of the giant killer and all the stuff that he did. And David, Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And those really fun and exciting stories. But David was nuts. I mean, he's just flat out crazy. When you read his story... There's a time where he was running from King Saul because Saul had tried to kill him several times. And he goes, one of the cities that he goes to was um, the city of Gath. And if that sounds familiar to you, because that's where Goliath grew up. So he goes to Gath, and there's the king of Gath. His name is Achish. And he's, David is standing at the city gates of Achish, hoping to get some refuge from Saul who's chasing him because David knows Saul is never coming to Achish to get him. He's never going to come to the city of Gath to catch David because Saul's a chicken. And so um, as, as the soldiers look down outside the gate and they look down at David and they go, isn't that the kid who killed Goliath? And David realizes what's happened, so he starts foaming in his mouth and acting crazy so they don't kill him. Now, maybe you have that person that you'll see at Thanksgiving or Christmas that is that kind of personality. Maybe not. But the family tree of Jesus is very bizarre, and it has all different kinds of people in it. Um, it's got David, who is a murderer, an adulterer, a liar, um, a man who was there for God's own heart. And those things don't sound like they go together, but they do. And today we get to talk about a guy who is one of my favorite names in all of the Bible. I love the name Boaz. I don't know why. It's fun to say, um, but I just love that name. And I, I would love to meet somebody who named their kid Boaz. Boaz is a guy from the Old Testament. What? That's what I thought. You're going to name your firstborn? Well, Dad's going to. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Let's not get carried away. Dad has very sharp knives and is a good shot. Okay, so I'm going to confess something to you, too. Not related to that, no, no. I've buried bodies before. That's nothing. No, not that you are aware of. Um, you know, last week I had talked about David, and I said, you know, David was not seeking his own glory. He was not trying to make his name for himself. He was not looking 3,000, several thousand years in the future in some church in Boone County, Kentucky, when some half 
and I almost said something I did not mean to say. Now, here's the truth of that. That word was not even in my head. I wasn't going to say, I wasn't going to say that. But that's the thing that almost came out. Now, here's what I know. Most of you said worse on your way to church. Not Maybe not most, but a good hefty percentage. Um, however, that does not excuse my almost slip up. So anyway, um, and for most of you, you're like, oh, I heard worse on the porch. Um, yeah, but you didn't hear worse from me on the porch. So if, if in any way I offended you on that, it seems to be confessional day. Um, I certainly did not mean to offend you. And if some of you were not here, well, then you missed something. Um, so today we're going to talk about Boaz. And before we really get into a story, I want to tell you the backstory. Um, the reason we get to Boaz is because we, we have to talk about a lady named Naomi and the, the lady named Ruth and how they meet. And um, Naomi and Ruth are only related by marriage. Um, and here's, here's what I mean by that. Uh, Naomi had a husband, and she had two sons, uh, and her two sons got married. One of her sons married a lady named Ruth. Um, Naomi's husband dies. His name was Elimelech. Not my favorite name. Elimelech dies. Her two sons die also. So now it's just Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws. Life is hard, and so Naomi says, look, I'm going to go back to my people, because she was living in a place called Moab. And that is where Ruth was from. Ruth was a Moabitess. And so she says, look, I'm going to go back home. Girls, man, I love you, but you need to figure out life. And I'm not going to have any more sons. And you need to stay with your people, et cetera, et cetera. And so the other son, or, I'm sorry, the other daughter-in-law says, okay, great. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to find another husband, etc." cetera. Um, but Ruth, on the other hand, says, um, no, I'm going to go wherever you go. One of the most compelling and heartfelt statements in the book of Ruth is this. Naomi says, look, you need, to, you need to go back to your people. You need to stay here. And, and, and Ruth says, no, no, no. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. My God, your God will be my God. And it's a very heartfelt interaction. And so they end up going back to Israel. They end up going back to where Naomi is from. And they have nothing. Have absolutely nothing. They have no means of livelihood. They have no resources. They have no marketable trades. They have nothing. But her best hope is to go back to where her family tree is located. And so they do that. Now, back at home where the family tree is located, there is a, a distant relative um, named Boaz. Now, he is not the closest relative to Naomi. But it's important that he's related, and we'll talk about that at the very end of today's talk. So now that you've kind of got a little bit of a foothold, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and how it fits into our lives. So teach us from it today, that you would fill our hearts with the things that you have long ahead of time prepared for us to hear this morning. Because your word is so fantastic, that you have a way of putting it into us and allowing it to make sense and using it to change our lives. So we give this... We give ourselves to you this morning that you will do just that. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Boaz was a pretty well-known guy in town. Uh, he was fairly wealthy. He had a lot of land. 
And with land he had servants. Now, what we're going to talk about today is some characteristics of Boaz. The things that made him really cool, uh, really interesting, and really valuable in the family tree of Jesus. Now, it's funny, um, you know, as I said this morning, Facebook is such a horrible and terrible thing all at once. But one of the interesting things is now that people have the opportunity to do this, they will, sh- they will have a picture of their great-grandfather as a baby. And then they will have the picture of their child and how much they look alike. And that's a, that's a unique thing that we have today, that we have that opportunity. Now, obviously, when we talk about Jesus, we're not saying that Jesus looked like Boaz. Now, we know that Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% man at the same time. That's a very confusing thing. But that's what the Bible teaches, so I don't really need to be confused by it. So, we are going to look at some character traits of Boaz that show up in the life of Jesus. So we start with this. That Boaz was a really, really good guy. He was just good to people. And here's what we mean by this. Boaz, because he had lots of Somebody shows up at our job site to us, and we're going, oh, you're sweet. Look, 
can't tell you how appropriate that was. Because my daughter works for me on a regular basis. She's also been at the, the new church site. And my son, who just thought it was a great idea to speak up, has no idea how great that was. Because somebody made an observation about him that, you know, that one looks really busy, but I don't know what he's doing. He just runs from this room with tools, and then he comes back with other tools, and he goes over there with tools, and he asks somebody about tools, but I'm not real sure what he's doing. I'm like, I know! Exactly! Okay, love you, thank you. So, Bowen shows up at the job site, and he says, May the Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they yell back. When was the last time you said that to your boss?
So here's the rub. 
This is one of the most drastic and significant pictures of Christ in the Old Testament. And it comes in the form of a very significant phrase, which is in our second sentence there, but I'm talking about the kinsman redeemer. In Hebrew law, it's very, very simple. Most of Hebrew law is very, very simple. And this is what happened. In Naomi's case, she was widowed. But she had back at home a small amount of land. But it was hers. It was her family's. It was it was left there when she went away. And it still was hers. Now, in situations like that where she could not care for it, the next first closest relative could redeem that land and buy it. And with that would come all of her debts, would come all of her responsibilities, would come anything that was attached to her property. Anything at all. This person is called the kinsman redeemer. Okay? So that's who the kinsman redeemer is. We do not know the name of the kinsman redeemer in this story. We only know that there was one. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer had mentioned that he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Hey, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went and sat down. Well, I'm going to tell you what's happened up to this point because it's so very, very cool. Boaz falls in love with Ruth. Ruth falls in love with Boaz. Just a moment. Okay, so um, just nod and go with me. So, there is a kinsman redeemer in line. And because Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law, she is attached to Naomi's life. And she's attached to her properties. So the kinsman redeemer, whoever this guy is, has the legal right to purchase and redeem everything connected to Naomi. So the intention originally was very, very good. So in this case, Boaz is not the next guy in line as a kinsman. He is not the kinsman redeemer. But Boaz is smart. And Boaz knows what has to happen. And we'll talk about that in a second. But what Boaz chooses to do is what Ruth and Naomi could have never done for themselves. They could have never financially pulled this off. They did not have the wherewithal. They did not have the means to make this happen. And so again, we see an obvious parallel that what Christ did for us on the cross was something we could never, ever, ever have done for ourselves. Because if we could have ever been good enough to live our own sinful way, Jesus would have never had to die on the cross. If we could ever work hard enough to get to heaven, we would have never needed a blood sacrifice to pay for our sins. We would have never needed the God come to hang on the cross. He was on life. So what Boaz does for her is what she could never have done for herself. So Boaz knows that all business takes place at the city gates. That's where all business is transacted. That's where every contract is signed. That's where the elders of the town meet in the book of Judges, which just precedes this story. That's where business took place. That's where judges, um, if you had a dispute, that's where it was handled. The city gates were a town hall, and that's where stuff. 
This is the guy that always has funny stories to tell. 